0: You're listening to Guinea Pig & Green. We like talking about health, wellness, and eco-friendliness in a fun
1: and approachable way. Today on the podcast, we're talking to vegan ultramarathoner, Alex Flint, who's here to answer some of our basic questions about running. Let's get to it. Hi, guys. Welcome to a special episode of Guinea Pig & Green. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Laura. And today we're here with vegan ultra marathoner Alex Flint. Welcome, Alex. We're so happy to have you.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I, I don't know if we're keeping it a secret, but this is the second time we're doing this. Oh. Yeah. oh. <laughs> sorry, sorry for bringing it up if it was supposed to be a secret.
1: Due to okay. technical difficulties while I was on the road. Yeah. Recording ah, in yeah. hostile bathrooms is not the look, guys. It's <laughs> not, the, <laughs> not the way.
2: It added yeah, a nice personality to the show, though. Us.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, round two. It's going to be better than ever.
2: Yeah. yeah. Now we're all uh, rehearsed and ready to go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. So, Alex is from the podcast Distance Obsessed. Alex, uh, why don't you introduce yourself?
2: Sure. Um, yeah, I, I host Distance Obsessed uh, with my cousin, uh, who's also a distance runner and triathlete. Uh, his name's Corey. Um, we've been doing that for about half a year, uh, and I've been running for about just over three years now. Uh, my first race was, was 2010, so, um, and then I've been vegan, which I guess is the other part of my introduction there, for just <laughs> over a year. It was a year uh, last month, so. Hey, congratulations. Thank you, yeah. I, I had an exciting little vegan anniversary, so, yeah. yeah um, and I, I'm running marathons, I'm running trail races, and, uh, and this year I did my first ultra marathon, uh, two ultra marathons, actually, this year.
1: So oh, for our congratulations. listeners, yeah, yeah, exactly. Congratulations for our listeners who don't know what exactly is an ultra marathon.
2: Sure. So it technically, it's anything longer than a marathon, which is forty-two point two kilometers, okay. or twenty-six point one miles for the Americans. <laughs> um, but, gener- but most people consider it fifty k or more. Uh, so I did one in Gatineau Park in in Quebec that was fifty-two kilometers. And then I did one from Ottawa to Gat, or from Ottawa to Montebello, Quebec, which was 100 kilometers.
0: Wow, that's incredible! It's insane. Thank it's you. Yeah. So, just to give us a better idea, how much do you think you run in a week?
2: My peak uh, was, well, actually, right now is my peak with that 100K. That was just—it was just two weeks ago. Um, I did—I've done uh, about 150K in the last two weeks, um, including that run. My peak during training, I try to keep it a little bit less than that, just to keep my legs fresh, and I'll do somewhere but somewhere around 180 to 100 kilometers a week. Um, and yeah, I, I, but it really isn't as much as some may think, and some some do a lot more. There are people who race up to 100 mile races mm-hmm. uh, or 160 kilometers, so they'll be doing they'll be doing a lot more. They'll be doing 80 to 100 miles a week sometimes.
0: So. Mm-hmm. Um, so you said that at least. Yes, yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> um, you said that you started running before you became a vegan. Yeah. Um, I know that some athletes, like Rich Roll, credit a plant-based diet to improvements in their performance. Mm-hmm. Um, do you also find that your plant-based diet helps you, or do you think it's something that you need to make up for?
1: Or alternatively, do you find that it hasn't made much difference, and you've your health That's has or, been yeah. about
0: yeah.
2: Um well, I've definitely improved since going vegan, but my I, I've also been training harder and focusing more on running. Um, when I started three years ago, I had just quit smoking. Uh, a, a six months or a year before that, I was eating basically fast food, three meals a day. Uh, I, I wasn't in good shape at all. I was horribly out of shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> so that first year that I did it, uh, my first 10K race uh, in 2010, I was definitely like the I, the running was um, was just kind of the start of a healthy lifestyle change, right. so it was uh, kind of an uphill battle. As I started running more and more, and decided that I wanted to try to be a bit more competitive, or try to set some new personal goals, anyway, um, I decided to to try at first just vegetarian uh, after reading Eat and Run by Scott Jurek, yeah, who's an ultra marathoner and and a pure vegan on a pure vegan diet um so i started i started vegetarian for a little while and then switched to vegan uh but it was all around the same time that i started just kind of focusing on on running more so it's hard to say for sure but i don't think that it's holding me back at all that's for sure yeah and i know and i know i feel better just kind of day to day i feel healthier i feel cleaner i feel i just feel good
1: (laughs) yeah that's great yeah. um we had a question about beginners because you said you started from a place where you were sort of unhealthy and out of shape um, and I know there's a lot of people that listen to our podcast that might want to get into running so like what mm-hmm. kind of advice would you have for people to start being able to run at all or to run longer distances without getting injured or losing the motivation basically
2: yeah so I started with a with an iPhone app I started with a couch to 5k app. That, that gives you kind of a whole training plan and, and has little pop-up notifications that say you need to go run 3K today, you need to do this, you need to do that, and it kind of lays it all out so you can just follow along. Um, and it starts with super simple, like, walk a minute, run a minute for 30 minutes, or for it might even have only been 20 minutes when it first started. Um so that was a, that was a great way for me to start. And I only used that for about the first three weeks. And then when I started, I, I already started to see improvements and I could, all of a sudden I could run for 10 minutes with, without having to walk. Um, I gave up on the app and just started running on my own. So that giving me something to get started just to the point that I could start to see improvements in myself and, and in my, uh, in my health uh, was all I needed. And that once I, once I knew that it was helping and making me healthier, uh, and making me happier, I, I didn't, I just continued on my own after that, so, but, um, uh, oh, sorry, uh, oh, just one, just one more okay. thing, just just to, as you start running more and more distance, uh, if people are already running 5k or 10k or, or half marathons or whatever you're doing, um, I found after half marathon, I had to start focusing on things like form and and other kinds of strength training to kind of offset those really long distances, so, you want to be careful with that with that kind of stuff for sure. And and see a coach or a personal trainer or something if you're unsure how to do that. So,
0: yeah, right. um, so that was going to be my follow-up question. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our friends, Brendan, wanted us to ask you um, if there was any special training in particular that you do in order to increase your speed or increase your distances once you're already uh, running those longer distances.
2: Yeah. So it. it I'm probably not the best example of it. I should be doing more strength training and things like that. Um, I do yoga pretty regularly. I I spin pretty regularly to to give me a good cardio workout while still giving my feet and my legs a break from the impact of running.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I do some things like that to to help. Um, but just, I mean, the most direct impact on being able to run further is just running further and, and just kind of slowly building up like – building your distance slowly week after week. Um, but yeah, anything that, that you can do to increase your overall strength, increase your overall cardio ability is, is definitely going to help. And if you can do some of those exercises while giving your feet and your knees a break from the impact, then that's, that's a great way to do it. Yeah.
1: I remember one of the things you said on the last podcast um, <laughs> that I thought I would just throw in here because I thought it was such a good tip at the time. Yeah. Was you were talking about if people want to start running longer distances, the biggest mistake they make is trying to go too fast or too hard.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so- for sure. I see a lot of people when they first start. I've run with some beginner runners or, I mean, they're, they're running maybe five or 10K races um, yeah. and they go out for a training run and they're going at race pace or faster Mm-hmm. Uh, all the time, and then they get ex- they're exhausted after a couple of k, and and feel like they can't, they feel like they can never do 40 kilometers or or longer, um, because of that. So definitely slow down is is a huge tip. Uh, most of my training runs are are quite slow. Um, like I, I don't know. I mean everyone's pace is going to be different.
1: Right.
2: For example, like if if my half marathon pace is something like 410 or 420. Uh, minutes per kilometer. My training runs are close to five thirty or six minutes per kilometer. Okay. Because um, there's no point in tiring yourself out and wearing yourself out on the training runs when you really need the you need the power for the race. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, you need to do intervals and run fast as well if you plan to uh, to improve your speed too. But yeah, the long runs go slow for sure. That's
1: mm. mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good tip.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I'm actually running my first 10K race in a couple of weeks. Um, I've run run more than 10K before, and um, it's just this is the first time I'm doing actually a race that's more official. I've done the color run and stuff. Uh, But I'm wondering if there's anything actually during races that maybe I'm not sure about or that I'm not aware of right now that I need to keep in mind. (laughs) Um,
2: That's a good question. I, I mean... One thing that I see a lot of people talking about, and right now um, this Sunday is the just the Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon. So I'm seeing, uh, which I'm running, and I'm a a, they call it a digital champion, basically an ambassador for that race. So I'm following all the activity on Twitter and seeing everyone talking about it with the hashtag, and uh, everyone's talking about carb loading right now, Um, (laughs) and that's something that is kind of it's starting to be debated with a lot of people is that carb loading maybe isn't really the best approach. Um, The idea is that carbs slowly turn into sugar over the, over a few days and then you'll have the store of sugar in your body for, for the run. Um, But I've personally found that just eating extra clean and extra healthy, lots of vegetables uh, and hydrating lots a few days before the race is, has been a better approach for me, anyway. Um, so that's something I might suggest experimenting with: is instead of getting up that big plate of pasta a couple days before the race, uh, go with a big plate of, of veggies or something like that instead.
0: Cool. Um, shouldn't Shouldn't be too hard to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I actually, I actually have um, a good friend, Alex, who's running that race as well. Okay. Uh, the sorry, the marathon next weekend. Yeah. Um, cool. And my uncle Mike is also running that marathon, and they also had. They had similar questions for you. Actually, um, they're they're both uh, vegan and transitioning to vegan, um, and they were wondering how you fuel like right before, or right before, or during, and after a race. I guess you're not fueling after, but your recovery, um, yeah, uh, what well, you're eating.
2: Yeah, I eat a ton after a race. <laughs> I'm an animal after a race. Yeah, um, I just again, I just try to eat super clean before a race. Um, i i've cut it like this week i mean i generally try to although i struggle with it but i try to um to not eat very much bread and sugar in general but especially the week before a race i'm completely avoiding it uh, i'm also completely avoiding beer and wine which is also can be a challenge sometimes but <laughs> um and drinking lots of water drinking lots of tea all that kind of stuff um Anti-inflammatories are are great. Uh, ginger and garlic and blueberries and and that kind of stuff. Uh, just anything to keep your body kind of as happy and healthy as you can this week is going to be super important. And then on race day, uh, I'm actually trying something new this year. I'm trying um, uh, basically dates like through a pr- food processor, so like mushed up dates uh, with dark chocolate in it and rolled in coconut. Just little balls. That'll be my fuel for the race. Uh, they're delicious, first off, which is always a nice bonus. But also, it's lots of uh, lots of quick, healthy sugars. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then after race, I just eat everything. <laughs> <laughs> S- sushi's my sushi. Uh, some vegetarian sushi is my go-to post race because I'm just craving that. That I'm craving that rice and that heavy, that heavy food. So. Nice. Yeah.
1: All right, cool. Um, so, can you tell us a little bit about what your training schedule is like for somebody who's maybe aspiring to do what you do or get to that level one day?
2: <laughs> like sure. How do you
1: go about that.
2: Yeah, sure. So, um, I started the season with a coach, which was super helpful, and I recommend it. And I'm going back to to using a coach starting in January for for next year. Actually, starting in December for next year. Um, so that's definitely super helpful no matter what level you're at if you want to see huge improvements um, hire a coach and they're not crazy expensive you can get like an online you can get online coaching where they'll kind of help you over the phone and through email and they'll give you like a whole training schedule online that you just follow and enter your workouts as you do them and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um, and they're not they're not super expensive. Um, and that gives you someone to not only kind of keep you honest and keep you on track, but also tell you when to slow down and when you need to rest and, and help you with any aches and pains and that kind of stuff that you may encounter along the way. Um, my week generally looks like while I was training through the summer and early in the season, um, long runs on the weekends. So a, a couple of back to back long runs, uh, something like a 20 K, like a 30 K and a 20 K on the Saturday. And then Sunday, um, work, and a couple, even longer than that, uh, maybe like a 50 K and a 40 K in like the very peak of the training, not too, not many of those though. <laughs> and then, uh, through the week, a couple of runs, like a t- on Tuesday and Thursday, um, some fast intervals or Hills or something like that. That's fairly short. Uh, compared to the weekends uh, 10k or 15k Um, but more focused on speed and form and uh, strength and that kind of stuff and then you supplement all of that through on the rest days you call them rest days very loosely but uh, with yoga and spinning and and strength training and anything else that you can get in there without without tiring yourself out too much Um, but really and uh, all of it i i'm personally very flexible with it because i've had some some problems with injuries and things that if i start to feel fatigued or if i start to feel an injury coming on uh, i'm totally happy to skip a day and let it heal up uh, you'll lose a lot you'll lose a lot less by skipping that one day than by getting injured and having to miss a week or two weeks so I, i'm i have no problem skipping a day when needed
0: I think I think you make a good point as well saying when you feel an injury coming up because you yeah. know that there is that point where it goes from being like possibly an injury to definitely an injury and yeah. I guess have when it crosses the line then you end up having to take off much more time than you would otherwise
2: yeah I, I learned hard this year that uh, denying an, an injury or <laughs> pretending it's not there doesn't uh, doesn't help if you need you need to just accept that okay something's hurting, something's not feeling right. I need to ice it and let it rest, and uh, and get back into it as soon as I feel better. Um, I had some. I started off the year with <clears throat> with a very slow run at around the Bay in Hamilton, which is a 30k race, uh, because I ran through an injury and ended up having to take like six weeks off right before that race. So mm. um, I I would have much preferred to take a few days off and then be able to run that race at my full potential. Mm.
0: Yeah. Um, so, on the podcast before, Steph and I have talked about um, midfoot running, and mm-hmm. we both wear the same minimalist running shoe. Mm-hmm. Um, what What kind of shoes do you wear, and is yeah. midfoot running something that you uh, that you use?
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure it is. I started up until, let's see, up until last year, um, actually, yeah, it was up until early last year, uh, May of 2012 I guess that I was running in regular shoes I was running I think Nike Pegasus or something like that like a a supported heavy thick shoe Um, after that I was feeling I was hurting basically after every race I did a uh, in May that year I did a 16k race which at that time was my longest and I needed two weeks off afterwards to recover because my knees and hips and everything was just just all messed up Mm-hmm. Um, so after that, I stopped running for quite a while, and I was feeling pretty down about it. And then I, like many people, I'm sure, ran born, read, born to run.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. And uh, and heard about this whole minimalist running thing. So I got a pair of Vibram Five Fingers, those silly toe shoes that, that you see <laughs> weird people wearing, and uh, started training in those, and basically started from scratch. So like running, like started just walking in them for a few weeks slowly building up to short runs, two kilometers, three kilometers, uh, and building up those supporting muscles that I needed to to run in them. Uh, and eventually ran a half marathon in them, which was Scotiabank last year, so in October uh, 2012. Mm-hmm. And then um, never really looked back from minimal. I did move away from the Vibrams, uh, and I moved into, now I wear Merrill uh, shoes for trail running, and Scora. For shoes for road running.
0: Uh,
2: they're both zero drop, but they have a bit more padding than the than the Vibrams. Because I found anything over the half marathon, my feet were just getting destroyed in Vibrams. Right. So, yeah, they're great for training and for short distance. But I personally, I found I needed something a bit a bit more padded for long distance.
1: Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a question about what inspires you, because you inspire so many people. So, are there people that you look up to or groups that inspire you and keep you going
2: there are uh, first off thank you i, uh, <laughs> I that's <laughs> nice to say that i inspire people um that- there are definitely are i uh i'm with a group called good guys try which is mm-hmm. a group of i think there's six or seven official ambassadors uh myself included and then there's also there's a whole kind of extended team uh, of friends and family and people who take part in various events um, mm-hmm. these guys are they, they they started as two people, Mike Herzog and Steve Thomas, were these two runners in Ottawa who um, decided that they wanted to use their sport, uh, which started off as mostly triathlon, but has kind of formed into mostly running now. Okay. Uh, they wanted to use their sport and to basically do good uh, as much as they could. They were tired of just running for, for the times and for medals. They wanted to, to start running for a greater cause. So. Um, they're the ones who organized this 100K run that we did that we did two weeks ago, uh, where we raised uh, 101 thousand dollars for wow. for the children's hospital in Ottawa for the cancer center there. Um, there was 23 23 of us total, uh, and yeah, we ended up with uh, up to up to 36 hours before the race, we were at like 93 thousand dollars or something like that. And we just knew we had to get to $100,000 for our 100K run. It was just it was just too perfect. So the last three days, we ended up raising like an extra six or $7,000, um, which was crazy, yeah. But those guys are a huge inspiration to me, um, both athletically and just in life. They're just amazing people. Yeah. Um, and then some of my favorite just kind of runners in general, uh, Scott Jurek, definitely. Uh, Anton Kuprychka is a huge... Uh, is kind of a superstar in the ultra marathons, uh, a Jornet as well. Um, all pretty, I guess, uh, the go-to stars in the ultra marathon scene. But okay. uh, yeah, incredible athletes.
0: It's really cool. Mm-hmm.
2: Thanks.
1: Um, what else did we want to ask,
0: Laura? Um, actually, I think that covered covered everything that we had planned on asking. Did you have any last pieces of advice? Uh, for anyone looking to run or looking to transition to a vegan diet as an athlete,
2: yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess there's a couple of things. One thing that a lot of people were worried about going vegan is is pro, especially as an athlete, is protein. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I actually wrote a blog post that went on on my podcast website on obsessed.ca about that. Uh, and it was um, basically the, don't worry about that. There's lots of easy <laughs> ways to get protein. Um, maybe I'll send you guys the link, and if you want to put that in the in yeah. the show notes, um, yeah. because it was yeah, it that was a that's a bit a big worry for a lot of people. And that's the first thing everyone asks me when they hear that I'm first vegan but also an athlete. Immediately is how do you get protein? Like <laughs> they think it's impossible <laughs> that only meat has protein in it. Yeah. So. Uh, if, if you're interested in trying vegetarian or vegan, um, there's definitely lots of easy ways to do it. Uh, there's lots of ways you can continue to build muscle and build, uh, build athletic performance on a vegan diet. Um, and as far as running, I guess one thing that I started the last month or two was uh, – and it actually started because my GPS watch, the band broke on it, so I couldn't bring it on my runs. So I started running without my watch and just by feel and just going to enjoy myself. Uh, and that's the last couple of months have been amazing. I've had some of my best runs. Um, so even when you're training, I'd encourage you to get out and just run and enjoy it and don't think too much about it. Uh, yeah. run at a comfortable speed and run a beautiful route that you just enjoy to, to run and, uh, it'll be a lot more fun. And then in the end you'll end up improving better.
0: So it's starting to get colder out is, mm-hmm. um, your running training schedule, going to change in any way um are you gonna move some of your workouts indoors
2: so i'm so right now i have the next i'm a poor example here don't don't do what i'm doing but uh (laughs) the next three weeks i'm racing every weekend and then yeah which is dumb i'm probably gonna come out of it hurting quite a bit but (laughs) um and then after that i'm taking i'm taking about a month off and then starting with my coach in december um and training all through the winter i personally i actually really like Winter training. If you have some good gear, um, mm. some good tights, and some good uh, tech clothes that'll keep you warm, um, it's actually really nice. When it's cold for the first five minutes, but once you get warmed up, it's it's quite nice running in the winter. It's it's quiet in the mornings, and and uh, the crunchy snow makes for a nice little soundtrack as you run. So, um, yeah, I train I train all winter. L- last year, I think I did two workouts inside uh, because it was like minus thirty. And just for my safety, I stayed inside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, but other than that, I'll I'll be outside and, and quite liking it. I also want to wear- I, I also want to try uh, snowshoe racing this year. I, I've heard a yeah I've heard a lot of a lot of the guys actually on Good Guys Try do snowshoe racing through the winter. Uh, so I'm I'm interested to get into that.
1: Me.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, when you're running in the snow, do you wear anything like yak tracks or something to give you that extra traction?
2: I don't yet. Um, I wear my trail shoes, which have pretty good grip on them. But um, I may try it. There was a couple of slippery days last year, so so yeah, I may try a, a pair of Yak Tracks. I, I talked to actually on the podcast a couple of weeks ago on my podcast. We had uh, we had um, a ultra marathoner who does a lot of winter races, and he just puts he just basically puts screws in the bottom of his shoe, uh, mm-hmm. and says that that works great. It's it's way cheaper than Yak Tracks, and it, and he says it works great um so I might even just try that on an old pair of shoes and see how it goes
0: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah I know he, he said he just puts them in like sharp end first and he's never had a problem so I don't know <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see I'll try it carefully the first time
1: yeah, yeah really carefully please yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay awesome well thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us you know you're a busy dude oh, no um problem. thank you, thank you. Have such a wealth of information and this has been a really cool podcast yeah, okay. uh, we'll link everybody, link everybody to Distance Obsessed,
0: and uh, show them where you could, where they can find you on Twitter. Great. Uh, you have a pretty funny Twitter feed. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's been awesome. Yes. Yeah, so thanks a lot. Thank thanks you. Again, okay, we'll talk bye to you out.